Lord, you taught us that we should treat others the way we want to be treated. If we want good friends and neighbors, we should be good friends and neighbors. Help us to be your hope, your hands and feet, your light in our own neighborhoods or in any sphere of influence you may have. Grant that we might see our neighborhood as your garden, a place where each kind gesture becomes freshly planted seeds of hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. This is according to G.K. Chesterton, who found Christians, including himself, did not put their faith into action. But even this curmudgeon, Chesterton, would agree there was a notable exception. That notable exception is the man we celebrate, St. Francis of Assisi, today. You may know him for his many bird baths or the hundred thousands of statues you find in various places. Or as we'll be having today at 2 o'clock at the dog park, the blessing of animals. But for Chesterton, he was the one Christian who actually lived the gospel. Now here is what Frank Logue, the canon of the ordinary in the Diocese of Atlanta, Georgia, had to say about Francis. He says, Francis was the son of a wealthy textile merchant. <coughs> Excuse me. And as such, part of the new Italian mobile class and middle class that was up and coming in its own at the time. <clears throat> His father's wealth and Francis' own natural charisma made the young man a leader of the youth in his town. And Francis gained a, a sort of rock star-like following by the early 1200s, just a few years back, huh? Now, he remains famous today, not because of his own words and actions, so much as because his words and actions conformed so closely to those of Jesus Christ. As a boy, Francis dreamed of earning the glory in battle, and he got his chance at an early age when he enlisted, along with many other young men from Assisi, to fight in a feud against the neighboring city-state. Assisi lost the battle, and Francis, unfortunately, was imprisoned for a time. Defeat in the battle and sickness during his time in prison caused Francis to turn away from his visions of glory on the battlefield. Francis's path towards God took a series of closer and closer turns to God rather than one all-at-once conversion. However, it was through the course of Francis's life that he found a profound change in at least two very formative experiences. He was on pilgrimage to Rome 
And Francis saw a beggar outside of St. Peter's Church there in Rome. Moved by the Holy Spirit, Francis goes and trades places with the beggar, going so far as to exchange clothing that day with the beggar. And there he spent the day begging for alms. Well, that experience of being poor shook Francis to the very core of his being, as it would any one of us to trade places with that other person we are very possibly most afraid of being like. Later, he confronted his own fears of leprosy by hugging a leper. Like trading places with the beggar in Rome, hugging a leper left a deep mark on Francis. And shaped by his experiences with the beggar and the leper, he had a strong identification with the poor, no doubt. Well, Francis went on to cut himself off from the opulent lifestyle of his father, and he sought out a radically simple lifestyle. Now, by the time of Francis's death, the love of God had compelled Francis so much to accomplish much towards rebuilding the church. And we could look on thousands of lives transformed by his call for repentance and simple life that lives on even today with third order Franciscans like one of the priests I worked with. Yet Francis of Sissy was a simple, was just simply a man transformed by the love of God. The love of God had captivated and captured him and the joy that flowed from a deep understanding of all that God has done for us is what motivated Francis. Francis' approach to his life of Christian service I think fits very well with Jesus' words to us today in our gospel reading when he tells us that those who follow him, that they are to serve with not a thought for reward. Let's face it, we live in a society that gives to get, right? Jesus said, who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at my table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat or drink. Do you thank a slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done all what we ought to have done. We have done only what we ought to have done. So it seems the message is, when you come in from doing something for God, don't expect a reward very possibly only more work. Now, it's a wonder that the crowds followed Jesus at all with that. But what exactly is the work of God is my question. In what way are we to serve him? We have the example of Francis to add to that of Jesus' own life and ministry. Yet how can we in our own time and place attempt to live more fully 
and to the gospel. Well, first of all, there is no getting around the fact that the Bible knows nothing of professional clergy serving a congregation. In fact, the Bible teaches that all Christians are ministers of the Bible by very virtue of our baptism. Then as ministers, each of us has a wide variety of jobs to do in the kingdom of God based on the gifts that we have been given. While congregations surely benefit from the ministry of priests and deacons, the real work of the church begins when the people in the pews live out their faith in their day-to-day lives. This includes many thankless tasks of showing love and mercy in even small ways, and even if no one even notices. You know how thankless these tasks are because you have the same issue at home. Do you get thanked every time you do the dishes? Or cut the grass? Or wash the laundry? Or make your bed? Or for children do their homework? Probably not, but permitted time to pass without doing those dishes or cutting the grass or washing the laundry, making your bed or so on, you're sure to hear about it, right? These are the thankless tasks and you take them on with no thought of getting praise for doing them. So I invite you to notice that in this gospel reading, Jesus tells the servants who does what he or she is supposed to do in response to the disciples asking for more faith. First, he tells them the parable of the mustard seed and how the tiniest amount of faith is enough to accomplish the greatest things for God. And then he goes on to describe the thankless task of serving God, his Father. For it's in serving God that we find our faith strengthened. Let me say that again. It is in serving God that we find our, stre- our faith is strengthened. We're not to serve others for the thanks that we get. We're to serve others as though we're serving Jesus. Because that is the life God calls us to, knowing that we will benefit more than the people we help. We will benefit in an increase in faith and an increase in love we will, in fact, be transformed. Francis took his little mustard seed of faith and used it to trust that he could hug a leper, which he was terrified of. And in the process, he found the faith to then move on into working among lepers. So again and again, he steps, his steps of faith emboldened Francis to trust God more. It's the same for each one of us. Each step of faith strengthens our trust in God to follow even more boldly. Coming back around to G.K. Chesterton, he advised, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. That was Francis living out a love affair for God and with God. 
when it is me and you living into the love of God, then Christianity will have been tried and found not found wanting, not at all. Nor will it be a series of thankless tasks for walking the life of faith then is not done in search of thanks or praise, but simply as an act of love. Then you and I can join Francis in saying that we are merely servants doing what we are called to do. We call ourselves servants knowing that what we do, we do for love, for the love of Christ, and for the one who knows us fully and loves us more than we could even ever hope or imagine. So in this stewardship season, I invite you to enter into a holy experiment with me of sharing God's love in a very intentional way for the next month. Imagine if you, if we were to seek to embrace and bless those in need in our community through the currencies of blessings. I wonder who are the lepers in our world? Who is it you are most afraid of? How might you call on that mustard seed of faith to just bless them in some small way? It might be through conversation, relationship, through asking someone who no one else will ever ask their opinion to tell you what they think. There are all kinds of differences that exist, not only between members here, but out in the world with non-members, such differences as racial, ethnic, age, gender, sexual orientation, class, political affiliation, the list goes on. Or it could be those that simply are existing between church members and other folks in our neighborhood. But our mission, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to team up with others in the midst of our community, our congregation, and to listen in to what are the needs in our community, to discern how to take God's blessing, his provision here, and pay it forward, to help to meet the need, not just to give it and walk away, but to develop a deeper relationship of trust and love with others. You see, once Francis encountered the lepers, he found that they were just human beings like him. And he was led to be in and amongst them. That is what it is to share the love of Christ, letting his blessings flow from us to others. And invariably, the blessing will come back in some other way. But that is not why we do it. We do it for the love of Christ. Amen. Amen.